0: tell us. Well, if you're visiting with us for the first time, you can go outside these doors as you leave, and you'll find a welcome table there, and you can grab some information about our church. It's just a little bag. It's got stuff about our church and ways you can contact the staff and how we can better serve you. Also, in your bulletin this week, I just want to take a second to call your attention. There's a there's an insert in there for VBS. Uh, VBS is just around the corner, and we need our volunteers to sign up uh, as soon as you can so that we can plan forward for that, uh, but kind of the, 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 the scenario that happened here was When I was working here, it was plan, 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 and the deacon said, okay, go. So now there's like a fire hydrant of stuff that's happening. So I just want you to pay attention to the bulletin as far as student ministry stuff goes. The website has lots of things for signups, and I'm not going to take time to go through all that, but I want to call that to your attention. Just be aware of that. You can grab one of these handy-dandy calendars as you leave, and that will have all the information that you need for kids and student ministry This summer, but we don't typically mention birthdays here. But everybody here is enjoying the fruits of the labor of someone who is never seen, and his name is Jeff Warren. He's our custodian. So Jeff, if you're here, just want to say happy birthday to you, as you go unseen uh, every single week. Or sorry, Tim Warren. Uh, Sorry, Jeff Warren. I think it's Jeff Warren. So Tim Warren, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, If you guys will just take a minute and say hello to your neighbor, welcome them here to East Taylorsville, and we will continue with worship
1: momentarily. i uh... my song through endless ages Jesus Jesus
2: we go to the Lord in prayer I just want to call your attention to one of the lines that we just sang because that's one of those songs that we've sung so many times it can kind of lose its significance and meaning but it just simply says this the Lord has promised good to me his word my hope secures his word is what secures my hope it is not whether or not you can get gas in your vehicle right (laughs) it's not whether or not there are conflicts and wars across the world or right around your life Your hope is not secured whether or not you got a vaccine or not. Your hope is secured by God's word and his promises. And that is what we rest on. And that's just something we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to remind you, your hope is found in him and what he has promised you in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And as Psalm 28 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and my song with my song I will praise him the Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of the anointed Father we are so grateful that we can confidently say that our hope is found in you and you alone We live in a world that is in chaos a world that is uncertain Lord things can change at any moment But Lord we depend on you what you have promised us in your word and the promises that we have in Jesus Lord I pray for those that are here today that are finding themselves um, uneasy, worrying doubting whether it's a job Lord I know that you'll provide there, help them to trust you and maybe some of you have family that you are worried about trust the Lord with them whether it's a spouse or a child God is sovereign and God is good and trust in him and maybe it's your health Lord our hope comes from you our help comes from you Lord and for those that are struggling today even with their health issues give them your perfect peace as they trust you and your plan Father we are thankful that we can sing with confidence today Lord we can have your perfect peace and your great joy because of what you have told us in your word and Lord help us to worship you in your word as we hear it later, but Lord, even as we sing it, remind us of what you have promised in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
1: surrendered to the mighty cross of Jesus Christ the earth would shake beneath the weight of dark. His love was shown for all to see.
3: Y'all, but that was some good singing, was it not? Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you so much, praise team. Good stuff. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Two Sundays ago, we looked at Saul or David and Jonathan's relationship, and we talked about how that was one of the truest pictures of biblical friendship. And today, the title of the message is this: Country Music and a Jealous King. Isn't it amazing how country music can make or break your life? Real quick. What I'm amazed about David is now. Remember this: David was a shepherd all by himself. Samuel comes and anoints him. Then David goes back to being a shepherd. Saul calls him to play a harp. We talked about how David was the greatest musician in Israel's history. Saul loved him. Second Samuel sixteen twenty one said Saul greatly loved David. All right. David comes in chapter seventeen and kills Goliath. You know what? You know what David said. As this young boy, you have an army on one side, the Philistines, this army on this side, and David tells the army of God, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You're standing on this side, he's blaspheming our God, is there not a cause? And then Saul says, well, go kill the giant, and David does. And the Bible says that David becomes so popular. Think about this, his rise to fame was meteoric. He didn't ask for it. He didn't ask to be king. And you remember I told you this, so you want to be king? Do you really want to be the king? Because being the king brings responsibility of being the king, the good and bad that comes with it. And today we're going to see the bad. We're going to see that Saul, God, the Bible says that God departed from Saul and here's why. Listen, and I shared this with you. Don't blame God for your bad decisions and the consequences that come from those. God never blesses disobedience ever. Saul disobeyed God over and over and over again. And the Bible says this, that the spirit of the Lord left Saul and it was evident. That's why when you come to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and Saul and Jonathan are both warriors, we we read a couple weeks ago about Jonathan's great battles, right? But when it comes time to face the giant, they're scared. Why? Because the Lord was not with them and the Lord was with David. David. And then today we're going to see in in verse 5, if you'll stand with me, in chapter 18. Notice how just one song, just one song, changes David's life forever. Verse 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home. Now listen, you got to understand this. Israel's day is not unlike a lot of, a lot of other uh, uh, countries in different time periods. If you won the war, when you came home, they'd have a parade for you. And leading the parade was always the king. Okay, Not uncommon. It, it happened in Rome. It happens all throughout. If our, if our troops came home, if there was a great war. They would have a parade for them. That's what's happening here. Something that's very common. And it says this in verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out all of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said this. Here's their country song. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Uh Uh-oh. Saul is leading a processional, and he's the king. And I would tell you this. Last, two weeks ago, we saw where Jonathan was not intimidated by David. Jonathan was to be the king after Saul. He loved David. He had a spiritual relationship with the Lord. And he gave him his armor. You remember that? In front of the army. He says, I love you. My soul is knit to you. I want nothing but the best for you. Saul, the Lord had left him. This is a picture of a person who is worldly. This is a picture of a person who does not know the Lord. And this is a person, a picture of a person who is a very jealous person envious person. And that spirit can be in any one of us if we're not careful. Any one of us. As a matter of fact, probably this, this chapter applies to the local church as much as any will study in the life of David. Envy and jealousy. And, and when the women sang, notice what verse 8 says. Then Saul was very angry. He was angry, was displeased. And then he said this, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me have only ascribed a thousand now what more can they do but give him the kingdom isn't it amazing that when you're jealous and envious you make up scenarios in your own mind you just make up scenarios in your own mind it's never going to happen God said he's going to be king but in 15 years later he becomes king but in Saul's mind the people are going to make him king that's how unspiritual he is so Saul eyed David from that day forward Saul eyed David from that day forward and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Why are you carrying a spear, king? Because you're getting ready to do something. He was carrying a spear in his hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I'll pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. That's the problem. Verse 12. Saul understood this. God is not with me, and God's hand is evident in his life. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. therefore when Saul saw that he had behaved wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in as before. Now notice verse 28. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually, then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for the life of David. Father, when we see, we'll see Saul's jealous rage, but what amazes me, even though we'll talk about it real briefly, is the humility of David. At such a young age, with all this praise and accolade, what a godly person he is. And then, Father, the last thing that we'll see and we must all submit to is your sovereignty in our life. Lord, we're all different here at East Hillsville. You've gifted us all differently. Lord, that's supposed to be a blessing. It's not supposed to make us envious or jealous. I don't think there's any of that here. But, Lord, it can be in our homes, in our workplaces. Lord, among our friends, can you imagine friends being jealous of each other? So, Lord, I pray that we would, if we have this spirit in us for whatever reason today, we don't have to tell our, our neighbors. Well, Lord, we need to tell you. And confess it. Because envy rottens the bones, the Bible says. Lord help us to not be like Saul and help us to be like David. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, Amen. Thank you. you, may be seated. So the first thing we see here is Saul's jealous rage. Saul's jealous rage. Now notice the song on the screen one more time. The Bible makes it plain. The Bible says, so the women sang and they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know what amazes me about this song? That's how unbiblical it is. Anytime you read in the Bible where God did a great work like went in a war or part in the Red Sea, guess who they give the glory to? They give the glory to God alone as it should be. Think about when, when Moses lifted up his staff over the Red Sea and it parted. And then they walked across on dry ground. The waters closed in on Pharaoh and his his armies. The next day, what do they do? They sing a song. That's why the psalms are written at times. After God does something, you write a song or you write a psalm. But notice here, notice what they're saying. R.C. Sproul says, The lyrics of this song just shows how the spiritual condition of the nation is so bad. It was not uncommon for the Jews to write songs about great events in their nation's history. The women's song, he says, reveals more than a political ineptitude, however. Israel's low spiritual state is revealed in the fact that no praise was given to God, but only to men. Compare this with the song of Miriam and the women of Israel after the destruction of Pharaoh's host in the Red Sea. When Miriam sang this, "...Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea." No praise was devoted to Moses, even though he was the one who stretched his hand out over the Red Sea. They knew that the victory, power, and glory belonged to God. Two of the shortest songs in the Bible that were ever written. One was written after Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. The Bible says this in Second Chronicles, Then accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good and His love endures forever. When Jehoshaphat prayed, when the Moabites and the Ammonites came and attacked him, Jehoshaphat prayed, Jehoshaphat prayed and said, Lord, if you do not help us, we lose. You remember last week I said, when you pray, it's one thing to pray when you can be the answer to your own prayer. You know, when you can answer your own prayers, why do you pray that prayer? You pray in great need when you have a need that you can't meet yourself or somebody else can not either. Okay. And Jehoshaphat was saying this, God, we will lose if you do not intervene. And guess what? God intervened. Guess who the people praised? They didn't praise the king. They praised the Lord. Now notice this song again. Saul and David. No mention of the Lord anywhere. That's how spiritually corrupt the nation is. If you want to see how spiritually corrupt the nation is getting, just listen to their music. Amen? Just listen. If you want to see how unbiblical churches are, listen to their music. Thank you, Sharon, for doing a godly, blessed job here at East Hills Baptist Church. Amen. Let's thank her for what she does. <laughs> now notice, what was Saul's reaction in verse 8? Notice what the Bible says. He was angry, displeased, and he eyed David from that day forward. See, see this was a comparison issue. And that happens in your life as well. Typically, like in churches, if there is any jealousy, singers don't get jealous of the preacher, do they? Do they? Y'all don't, do you? You don't get jealous of me. Do preachers get jealous of singers? I just don't like any of you because I can't sing, all right? But can singers be jealous of singers? Oh, yeah. Can preachers be jealous of preachers? Oh, yeah. Can one Sunday school class be jealous of another? Oh, yeah. Can happen, can't it? Comparison. See, see, Saul and David were in the military together. And they're saying, Saul, you killed 1,000. That's pretty impressive. But David's killed 10 times more than you. And they're sinking it. Okay? The comparison issue. People, people get jealous when they're compared to somebody else oftentimes. And that's what Paul, Saul could not stand it. That's why in verse 9 it says, now notice this, Saul, eyed David, from that day on. Now let me ask you this question. Are you eyeing anyone? You got your eye on anybody? Do you have your eye on anybody? Now, this is what Jesus said about this. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye. He said, a person that's morally bankrupt, they're going to eye you. And the Bible says that when Saul eyed David, he eyed him from now on. If you read verses 19, when David has to flee, to, or chapter 19 to chapter 31, this is all about Saul chasing David. Isn't that sad? All those, all those chapters devoted to Saul chasing David. He wasted about 15 years of his life doing this. It's just sad what jealousy can do. The rest of the book... All David has done so far is to obey every command of Saul. He was just good at it, and everyone noticed it. Think about this. Have you ever been jealous of somebody? We all have probably at some some point in time in our lives. Have you ever been jealous of somebody? How many reputations have been destroyed? How many friendships have been dissolved over jealousy and envy? I'm amazed at how friends in Alexander County can be jealous of one another. Happens all the time, don't it? Over this, that, or the other, well, they got a raise, or or this person lost all this weight, or this person did this, or this person did that, and then people become so jealous. And what jealousy does, it leads to envy, which oftentimes leads to hurt and even death. One scholar put it this way, envy and jealousy are similar. Now listen to this, because Paul Saul had jealousy and envy issues, and the words are often used interchangeably, even in our society today, yet there is a subtle difference between the two. Envy is desiring something that someone else has. Jealousy is not wanting someone else to have what you have. So I'll deal with both of them in this verse. Envy says, I want what you've got. Jealousy says, don't touch what I've got. Envy is marked by a spirit of covetousness. Jealousy is marked by possessiveness. Envy makes you resentful. Jealousy makes you territorial. Envy is when I want to play the guitar as good as you. Jealousy is when I don't want you to play guitar as good as me. Envy and jealousy. Jealousy, though, can be good. Envy never is. Did you realize that jealousy is is an attribute of God? The Bible says this, that God is jealous in a good way. Exodus 34 says this, the Lord speaking, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. God told Israel, don't you worship another false god. I'm jealous for you and for your affection. Deuteronomy 32, 16 says... They made him, God, jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. God is jealous for our worship and affections because our worship and affections rightly belong to him. The Bible says you should be jealous for God, for other people. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, now think about this, the second letter, he said this, you know the first letter, Paul really scolds them. Because what Paul is saying is this, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have spiritual gifts that churches would would love to have, and then you quarrel, you're carnal, and you're jealous of each other. And then in chapter 2, he says this, Why do I write to you? Because I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Right? Because I, wanna, I know what God can do in your life, and I'm jealous for your affections, because I want you to know God like I know God. Paul, when going to Mars Hill, the Bible says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see the city full of idols because he was jealous that they didn't know God. In marriage, it's okay to be jealous. The Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon 8-6, I read this in every wedding ceremony, and I got four weddings between Saturday and June 10th, all right? And I'll read this one in every one of them. The Shulamite lady is looking at Solomon, who's who's the richest man to ever live. And according to her words, not mine, He's a a good-looking guy. And according to his words, not mine, she's a beautiful lady. right? She was working in the fields, and she meets the king, and then they have a relationship. And then as these chapters go on, you get to chapter 8, and this is what she says. She says this. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unending as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame, many waters cannot quench love. And then she goes on to say this. If you would offer me, this is her speaking, all the wealth in the world for this love, I would laugh at you. Ladies, that's an amazing statement. What she's telling Solomon is this in the Bible. I'm not here for your stuff. I'm here for you. And what she was saying to him is this. If you was as poor as I am, I'd still love you with an unending love. Is that not love? And she told him this as well. I'm jealous for you. I am so jealous for you. Okay? Ladies, it's okay for your husband to be jealous for you if it's justified. All right. Amen. It's okay for your wife to be jealous for you if it's justified. There's nothing wrong with that. You got a a weird marriage if you're not a little bit jealous for your spouse. Amen? I mean, you just are. But it can be wrong if it's taken over the extreme. But what's the difference with envy? Envy is never... Good. There is such a thing as godly je- jealousy, but there's never such a thing as godly envy. God is jealous for that which rightfully belongs to Him, but it, He is never envious of anything you or I have. Listen to this thought about envy, because what happens here? Now, notice the next verse in Proverbs: Envy, because Paul was jealous or Saul was jealous. Okay, David's going to have what I have, or he's better than what I. He, he's better at what he does than I am. And then he's envious. He's going to have my kingdom. He is going to have my kingdom. That's why the word "eyed him, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. And listen to these definitions for envy. Envy is dangerous and insidious. It's a cancer that slowly eats out our inner life and leads us to say, say and do terrible things. Envy is numbered among the deadly sins because it can kill you. It can kill your joy, your hope, your peace your capacity to love. It can kill your faith in the sense of nearness to Christ. It can kill your will to believe and your motivation to obey. It can kill your sense of fulfillment. Because no matter what you do, someone has done more, or done it better, or done it faster, or done it greater. Recognition and praise left unchecked, envy can kill. Everything makes that makes you a human being, envy rots the bone. Wiersbe said this, envy is the pain we feel when somebody achieves Or receives what we think belongs to us. Notice the next verse on the screen. That's why Saul had a spear in his hand, he threw it at David twice. And then, if you look at verse 9 of chapter 19, it says, Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with the spear in his hand. Still had the spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. You throw a spear at me once and we're done. <laughs> all right? Three times, David. That's just who David is. And you know what? If, if, if David would have came back and played the next day, he would have threw another spear at him. He would have. Because envy leads to this. Notice verse 13 and 16. This is what's happening in verse 13 and 16. I've already read it. Saul is so upset. He tried to kill him with a spear. It didn't work. He said, I'll put you on the front lines. Put you in the heat of the battle. The Philistines will take care of you. That's his mindset. All right? If your boss is jealous, sometimes a promotion is not a promotion. What, I, what, I, what I've seen in people in, in the business world is they'll promote somebody in the area of their weakness just so they'll fail if they're jealous. I remember when I hadn't been in ministry long. I don't even know if I was ordained at the time, but I went to all these preaching conferences. And I remember a guy called a guy from the crowd to come up and preach. And the guy was just like, What? <laughs> you want me to preach? And he got up there and it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. The guy was not ready. He didn't know he was gonna preach that day. He just got up there and it was bad it was bad. It was bad. And I think I'm almost certain that the guy just kind of quit after that, right? And I found out later that the pastor was kind of jealous of him. He knew he wasn't ready to preach and he caught on to preach in front of all these people. And that was his weakness. He he wasn't the type of guy that could just get up there and preach. He had to say he's like me, you gotta study, you gotta get into the word, and then you get up there and speak, right? See, sometimes in your life, every promotion is not a blessing from God. It could be a curse from a jealous boss. Especially if they put you there in the area of their strengths, the pro- in the area of your weaknesses. The problem is David didn't have any weaknesses. He was the greatest warrior in Israel's history. He was the greatest administrator in Israel's history. He was the greatest king in Israel's history. He had no weaknesses as far as that goes. Saul tried to make that out to be a problem for him, and David kept on winning, just kept on winning and kept on winning, and kept on winning. But Saul kept getting worse, and worse, and worse. The plan backfired. Socrates said this, Envy is the daughter of pride, the author of murder and revenge, the perpetual tormentor of virtue. Envy is the filthy slime of the soul, a venom, a poison, a quicksilver, which consumes the flesh and dries up the bones. The great Southern Baptist theologian Yoda, from Star Wars, the most overrated movie franchise in history, by the way, said this, envy leads to jealousy, jealousy leads to hate, hate leads to anger, and anger leads to the dark side. There are a whole bunch of born-again Christians living in the dark side. Just let it go. Envy is malicious. It's been defined as one author as ill will with a desire to harm. The ancient teachers gave a representative color to each sin. For example, anger was red, pride was violent, the color of royalty... And and we've said for years that people can be green with envy because we normally associate sickness with our complexion turning green. Green with envy. That was Saul, and God strictly prohibits envy. The first murder in the Bible was because of envy. Peter said this, So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Envy is born in hate and is cured in love. Notice what Paul told the church at Corinth. He said this, Love does not envy. And see, in chapter 16, the Bible says Saul loved David greatly. But that love was very superficial. Saul was infatuated with David and what David did for him, but he didn't love him. Because love does not envy. If you have a best friend, you don't envy that person. You don't, you're not jealous of that person. You're thankful to see that person succeed. So we see Saul's jealous rage. And then very quickly, notice David's humility. The thing that amazes me is if you read chapter 5 through verse 7... As scholars say, David was not only the most popular person in Israel at the time, he was the most popular person in the whole region. Word of David went everywhere. And Proverbs twenty-seven, twenty-one says this, The crucible for silver and the furnace is for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Listen to this. If praise humbles us, then God can use us. But if praise puffs us up, then we're not ready for a promotion. David kept his humility through it all. David's submission to Saul is a good lesson not to push our way up life's ladder but leave the lifting to God instead. The Bible says this to be exalted requires only that we humble ourselves before the Lord and submit to his plan and timing. When God called Mary to be the mother of Jesus, she sang this, he has brought down the rulers from their thrones but he has lifted up the humble. The Lord's brother said this, James, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Do you realize that in this story in verse, chap, verse 18 and on, Saul told David in chapter 17, or, or he told all of Israel, whoever defeats Goliath, you have my daughter in marriage. Everybody knew the first daughter was married. And when it came time for David to become her husband, David says this basically, who am I? Who am I that I should be the king's son-in-law? You know what Saul said? You're right, you don't get her. That's how bad Saul is. He's using his children as pawns. He says, you don't get her. I'm not giving her to you. I want to give her to somebody else. And then he says, I'll let you have my other daughter, Michael. She loves you. David, said, David basically says it again. Who am I? Who am I? Notice what he says. He says, therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law. And then verse 22, and Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore, become the king's son-in-law. Then David said this, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law? Seem I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? The humility of David is an amazing thing. And then what Saul said is this, you're right. i got a dowry for you. Notice the dowry on the screen? It's an unusual dowry. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but 104 skins from the Philistines. That is awful. The only thing I desire is 100 foreskins from the Philistine. If you want to know what a foreskin is, we have doctors in here, medical people. Matt Matt will tell you after service, all right? He's right down here in the front. And then what happened was this think about this. David brought 200 to him. David says, I'll go you one better. Instead of bringing you 100, I'll bring you 200. And he brought 200. Now he must have loved this girl. And guess what happened in chapter 19? Because Saul was so upset at David, David has to leave his wife of just a short time. Verse, verse 9 of chapter 19, we see where Saul throws the spear at him. And then look at verse 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he fled, and he escaped. What a sad life it is. So let me ask you a question: You want to be king? Would anybody want to be David, the most popular man in Israel? David has the David has to take the second daughter as a wife. He loves her anyway. He's so humble and he submits to God's plan. And then he has to leave her because of envy, because Saul. The Bible says, eyed him continually. Chapter 19 through chapter 31, all deals with Saul, still dealing with envy. But notice what David trusted in. He trusted in God's sovereignty. Listen to this. The Bible presents that God is absolutely sovereign over all things. To say that God is sovereign is to say that He's supreme over all things. There is none above Him. He is the absolute Lord over creation. It is to say that His lordship over creation means that there's nothing out of His control, nothing that God hasn't foreseen or planned. God does what He wants, when He wants, with whom He wants, always as He wants. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. I still am amazed at the number of people who go to churches in this county and their pastors preach God as some old grandpa who hopes things turns out well and turns a blind eye to sin. I'm amazed. That was not David's God. David, Why could David show such humility because his God was sovereign? Who do you run to in times of trouble? I like what Charles Stanley said. He said, in times of trouble, God always welcomes you to run to him. This is the God who presents himself as a refuge in times of trouble. This is the God who presents himself as one who will never turn a deaf ear to the cries of his people. This is the God who says that his grace is the most powerful in our moments of weakness. And when you're facing trouble, there's a great temptation to run from God, not to him. There's a great temptation to bring God into the court of your wisdom. David trusted God during the dark days. David also trusted God with his plan. Nebuchadnezzar said this after God spoke to him God does whatever he pleases, whatever pleases him with the hosts of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stop his hand or say to him, What have you done? We don't live in a world that's out of control. We don't live in a world of luck or fate or chance. We live in a world that's under the careful control of the Lord Almighty. Everything that exists, everything that happens is under His careful, sovereign plan. It's the inescapable truth of the Word of God that God rules over all. God will carry out His eternal purposes for the world, and God will also carry out His eternal purposes in your life. Do you trust Him? If you do, if God is sovereign, this is what I would tell you. First thing is this. Trust God's timing in your life, where you are right now. David, every step of the way in chapter 20 through chapter 31 was a learning experience for David. Years passed between these chapters here. And David, now remember, he's the greatest king Israel has ever known. Jesus Christ comes through his line and David did not become king the next day. You're at the position you are in life right now. Learn from it and do not rush God's timing. Trust God's plan. If God is sovereign, trust his plan. And then the second thing I would tell you this is trust in God's grace. Trust in his grace. David, when he left in this chapter, he was all by himself. The most wanted man in Israel, in the woods, by himself, with him and just the Lord. Do you realize that when you're a Christian, you're never alone? This past week, I went to Iredell Hospital. We can go to hospitals now, ICU. Joyce White, longtime member of East Hills Baptist Church, was laid there, literally on her deathbed. And the last thing Joyce heard before they take everything off her was my prayer over. And I'm standing there with her family. And I said, family, I want you to understand that all of this is part of God's plan for Joyce. And I told them the promises in his word. We just sang about it this morning, right? I said, according to the Bible, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I said, according to the Bible that we believe, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I said, according to the Bible, when they take all this stuff off, if, if God wants her to live, she's going to live. If not, she's not. But I said, when y'all leave this room, she's not alone. The Lord's with her. His grace is sufficient for everything she faces. If, if God's grace is sufficient enough for your salvation, it's sufficient enough for your death, right? And I said, trust in Him. And I would tell you, if David, King David was here today, what he would tell you is this, if someone hates you, if someone's out to get you, if someone spreads false rumors about you because they're jealous or envious, just run to Jesus. Just run to Jesus. Run to Christ. Run to Christ. Run to Christ. And trust in Christ. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for this story. Lord, I pray that none of us would have the spirit of Saul. Lord, we really question your sovereignty when we're jealous of somebody else's gifts and calling. Lord, that's really a sin against you, not so much a sin against them. Lord, help us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Of course we mourn with those who mourn. But Lord, we should also rejoice in those who rejoice. If you bless someone's life, it should not cause us hurt or heartache. It should cause us to praise you more. Father, help us not to be jealous or envious people. Lord, help us to trust in your sovereign plan. And Lord, help us to place our faith and trust in you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you alone for salvation, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, if anyone's watching online and they've never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are, for what you do for us, and for what you're going to do for us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you, God bless. hope you have a great week, and hope to see you back here Sunday.